Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm Kurt Flagel, and I am one of your hosts. I'm your other host, Kim Ward, and today we have a special guest, Michelle Finley, who I met 18 years ago during my Youth with a Mission days in Chico, and I'm just so excited to have you on today, Michelle. Thank you. This for me is really cool, because I was a kind of quiet 20-year-old and 21-year-old, so I was much better at observing people then, so I just remember watching you and Jake and everyone else around the base and seeing how excited and passionate you were to serve God and to serve all the students who came through. But we didn't have too many actual conversations at that point. So I'm just yeah. excited to get to hear more of your story and what God's been doing in your life. So I actually don't know a lot of your story because, you know, you were already serving God at that point. So give us a little background on what life has been like for you. Okay. I actually grew up in Mississippi. My dad was in the Navy and he's actually from Northern California himself, but he and my mom met when he was in the Navy and my mom's from the Philippines. So I grew up with two cultures in my family and growing up in Mississippi was a whole nother culture. So I'm used to basically learning about people and their cultures, which was perfect for becoming a missionary later. And I got to go into YWAM when I was about 20 years old and married my husband, Jake, met him there at YWAM, Youth with a Mission. We love discipling people. We love relating to people. So we were running discipleship training schools at YWAM here in Northern California in Chico. I was there 15 years and Jake was there about 17 years. And we had three children during that time. Now we are living in Chico. My husband's a maintenance technician at a nursing home. And then I do caregiving for people. I work with a 16-year-old disabled teenager, and I help him twice a week. And I also take care of a lot of elderly people. So basically, we just took what we did in missions, and we're still doing it, but like in other parts of life and work. Basically, that season kind of dried up for us, and I was ready to leave YWAM and go live in an apartment in town and, like, do something else, and it took Jake about eight years to get that message from the Lord. It was downloading slowly, and in the meantime, he got more leadership responsibilities, and I was struggling with fatigue and burnout as a new mom. And he would go on these trips and I would basically be suffering because I was sleep deprived. My second child did not sleep for a whole year. I remember the day that Jake was basically promoted in leadership. I wanted to cry and I'm standing at the front and everyone's looking at me and I'm thinking, can anybody see how much I'm suffering? So if you're talking about suffering, I remember that being a really painful time in my life because I was suffering so much and not being seen in it. Mm -hmm. So that to me was a very unique season of allowing the Lord to kind of be my everything and guide me. I think we all have these um, moments in our life where we love that moment. We love that season. And then you go through like a valley season or a desert season and you're unhappy and you're, and it takes us a while to get through that then to see like hope hope down the road and renewal and healing. And, and thankfully that's what the last few years have been for me. But I want to mention too, honestly, the faithfulness of God, because I would be like, why did we go through that Lord? Why would I, why did I suffer for so long? If I felt called to leave YWAM and it was a different season, I I had moved on in my heart, but yet I stayed, you know, I had to stay because I couldn't leave Jake. I couldn't one flesh. But it's funny because actually we went through a recent experience. Our, I was telling my husband that we should trade in our car. And he was like, I don't know. We don't, we don't need to trade it in. We'll just keep it. And I kept thinking it's probably better to trade it in because it's we're putting a lot of miles on it. That was about a year ago I said that. And then our transmission started to kind of have problems. But the day before our transmission really started to have problems, he called our friend Larry and was talking to Larry about trading it. And anyway, God worked it out. We were able to get a transmission flush. We brought it to the dealership. They gave us a really good deal. And so we traded it in for another car. But I thought, God, you're so faithful to Jake. 
you know, you'll give him all this time and he'll still redeem it. And he's still good. Isn't that so good? Yeah. Like God is good that way. Yeah. That is so cool. What was that season like for you in terms of like, where was God showing up? I mean, cause that's a lot to go through. And that was kind of a long time to have to wait for Jake. During that time, I had also had a miscarriage. I miscarried at 14 weeks, a little baby boy. That was one of the most painful times of my life. So I was going through a lot of loss and grief. There were other people that had died. My Jake's mother passed away. Our neighbor, Tim Salcedo, and he literally lived across the street from me. And I saw his truck every single day. So mm -hmm. it was just like loss upon loss. And I lost hope completely. And I was somebody who used to really believe in hope. Like I had a ring as a 16 year old that said hope on it. I was just such a hopeful person. So for me to completely lose hope was absolutely devastating. And it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm -hmm. And I was like that. I basically felt like I had, there was nothing left in me and it was just painful. And coming out of YWAM, I had to walk through a lot of things to get healing. And part of it was, I just didn't believe that God was good. How, you know, how could he let me go through this? And I was angry at him. I didn't want to trust him anymore because here I was, you know, like this is what happens when you give your life to the Lord in missions. You, you burn out and you feel used up and I needed counseling. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't those things provided. And I didn't understand the need for sabbatical. Like we didn't know sabbatical was something we should have had that was provided actually after seven years of being there. We didn't know that. We took a sabbatical yeah. at, at 14 years. We took six months off after 14 years of being in full-time missions. So we learned a lot in that, like how we tended to not ever really take care of ourselves. You know how it is at the base, because it's a conference center. We would work on weekends too. We were young and you just have all that energy. But once you have a family, you have your own children, the season had changed, right? Yeah. Even as a single person being at YWAM, and I loved being there. That was the first place I'd ever felt at home and, and safe and seen. But even then, I remember being exhausted all the time because it wasn't like, you're, oh, I'm just going to school. It's like, no, you're doing work duties and you're helping out with the conferences. Like, YWAM Chico is amazingly blessed with space and the opportunity to serve I mean, it's where I figured out I had a passion for youth ministry, but finding breaks and time to rest was a challenge as a single person in uh -huh. their 20s. So I can't imagine doing that with a family and kids and and leading worship, you know? Yeah, it's a lot. And actually, I felt disillusioned because I thought, where's the fruit of those years of service? And the, and the honest truth about that season God provided for us in ways that helped me to, in, to endure. I was learning endurance. A scripture that talks about consider it all joy when you fall through various trials because it produces endurance in you. I've had to go through seasons where I'm learning that all the time, right? But that was like the first real time where endurance meant years. And I wasn't accustomed to that. I wanted to get through that quickly and it was not, it was a long season. So I'll just sort of go back to the thing about fruit. And then there's a story I want to tell about God showing up during that dry time. Yeah. So what I've learned since basically is that fruit, you don't see it for years and years. Like the time I knew you here, I am having a conversation with you almost 20 years later. So the fruit of that, of our relationship to this moment where I get to meet Kurt and, and hear what you all are doing, where you're at, that blesses me because it took 20 years for me to hear the fruit of your life. That's a long time to wait. But I've learned that that is how things happen. They grow slow. I've been reading a book called Growing Slow by Jennifer Dukes Lee, I think is her name. Her husband's a farmer and you plant the seed and then you just wait, you just wait for it and you trust that it will grow, you know? And that's been a really good book for me to read. Cause I, cause I'm somebody who used to be a perfectionist, super ambitious, 
task oriented. You know, you want to see the results. I feel great when I can clean my house. I'm like, oh, I've completed the task and I can see the results. So I would just say with the fruit, it's totally normal to feel discouraged when you don't see the fruit of what you're laboring for today. And it takes time. It takes watering of other people, but whatever you sow, you will reap. That's just the principle, good or bad. So just trusting the timing that the things are happening, even though you can't see, right? Mm -hmm. So I lived on the top of the hill. So the YWAM Chico is in a canyon and we're up on the top of one, on the edge of one of these canyons. And we lived in a house next to where the sheep are and llamas. And we were blessed to be given that house, which is one of the bigger homes on the base because we had three kids and we often had, we hosted things in our house. That house was beautiful. Dale and Shirley, the former leaders had lived in that house. So they had kind of remodeled it a bit. So I was grateful for that. Like we, we were able to host many, many people, baby showers, birthday parties, because we had a big dining table. But the beautiful thing I loved about that house is that it had three porches. There's a side porch, which looks down over the creek and all the other base houses and the letter cabins. So I was like, this is perfect. I can have my quiet time and my coffee on this little porch. So God really provided like a space for me to have close, intimate journaling times and prayer times. So I was home by myself a lot because I was a mom and I had little children and most people at the base could interact with other people because they were working eight to five or they'd go to the meetings. And for me to go to a meeting took a lot of work. I had to get my kids ready, get down there. So I often stayed home and it was really lonely and God became my best friend. It felt weird though, because it was like, you are all I have. Here I am. I live in this community of people and yet I have no community. And that was really hard and painful to recognize that this place that once provided community for me, and I see other people experiencing community, but here I am isolated. But at the same time, I was having these really sweet moments with God. So I basically learned in that season that there's a time where God kind of keeps you in this place where it's just you and him. And you learn to hear his voice and not question if it's him. You learn to know it really well because you're about to enter a season where you're going to need to know his voice in the midst of a bunch of other noise. Mm. This really cool moment happened though, where this storm rolled into the Canyon and the clouds grew really, really dark. It got so dark and the wind started to blow and it was raining And the storm was so fierce that the wind was literally blowing everything. And I I went and sat on the little side porch in the corner so I wouldn't get totally wet. But it was blowing all around me. And I felt this tiny. The magnitude of the storm compared to like me was so huge. And it felt so amazing to just sit there and, and enjoy the wonder of that smallness, you know, and the wonder of God's magnitude. And then this thunder started to roll and it just continually rolled and rolled and rolled and rolled. It didn't stop. There was no pause. I had never heard that in my life. And it was so powerful because I recognized like we could all die if God just decided our life was over. So basically I'd have like these moments and these huge, huge thoughts and ideas. And then I'd go see regular normal people living their everyday lives. I'd go down, literally down to the valley because I'm up at the top and I'd go down and we'd have our meetings down in this Ebenezer building. Mm. And I would share these huge stories and things going on. Everyone's just looking at me like blinking. God just walked me through that season and just told me, share what's in your heart, share what's in your heart. And he was just building up my confidence in who he made me to be, to share my voice. Because I had lost it. I'd lost my voice. You never saw me in that season, but I... I wasn't that Michelle that was happy and speaking a lot. Like I wasn't singing anymore up front, you know, it was just one of those seasons. So, so I shared this story and later one of the leaders said to me that when I talked about that rolling thunder, he said, it's like the voice of God. The scripture talks about God's voice being like thunder. 
and God just spoke to the base because the base was going through a dry time. And it was an encouragement that God is bigger. God is bigger than the moment that we're in. And we need to be humble and recognize that he's God and, and not us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would never have had any idea because that doesn't sound like the Michelle that I remember, but it's so cool to see, you know, you on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. There's encouragement in that to hit those seasons of waiting and not seeing. I think that's when we need those stories the most of other people making it through. And I had to get reminded of how valuable I was to the Lord, not for my ministry, not for what I could offer, but my heart. God asked me, Michelle, can I have your heart again? Because I had basically taken it and said, no, I don't trust you. And I saw my heart. It was a stone heart needed to turn back into clay and, and I needed to give it to him. And I remember I, I one t- day I said, yes, okay cautiously I said yes you can you can have my heart again it was a pretty miraculous moment when the Lord called me into a new season the Holy Spirit just really put it on my heart and I said I feel like I'm supposed to get baptized again which was crazy I didn't understand but I just said I just said yes to the Holy Spirit in my heart moving on me and I had read this scripture and I don't honestly I don't know where the scripture is I just found it one day and have never been able to find it since but It says something about how you will go to the east and then you will come back to the west. You will follow the river and and you will come back and then you will go to the sea and you will be healed. And I just took it literally. I honestly felt like that scripture is actually literally for me. So I went to visit my family in the east and then I went back to the west and I said, we need to go follow the river. The river is the Holy Spirit, the river of the Holy Spirit. And now we need to follow the river to the sea. So I told Jake, we need to go to the ocean. So we look up dates for staying at the cabins. The dates that we were available were the only dates that were open at YWAM Mendocino. It was God. So we we booked this cabin. And the next morning we find a shore so that I can be baptized. And I really had a sense that this baptism was a baptism in his love Mm. right before I was going to go in the water. I told Jake, like it's freezing cold. So, I mean, I understand if you don't want to go all the way in there. So maybe just pray for me before I go in, I'll just dunk myself in. Okay. (laughs) He agreed. He says, that sounds like a good plan. So let me just pray for you. Why when he opens his mouth, a bunch of noisy seagulls start squawking for no particular reason. And he can't even get the prayer out because they're so loud. And Jake's not a, not a person who hears God like, like I do clearly and stuff. So he goes, I actually think that's God applauding you and like cheering you on in this moment, Michelle. And it was cool. Cause I was like, you're hearing that from the Lord. Then yeah, that's, that's cool. And then we pray. And then I go to get in the water and it's freezing cold. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to wait for a wave to come in and then I'll dunk. But the, the water had receded. So the water was like this shallow. So I'm like laying. It was the most awkward (laughs) baptism. And then the wave came back in and like hit me. But then when I got up, I was like, I feel awesome, Jake. I said, I think it's just because it's so cold. And again, he has a a moment of hearing from the Lord. He said, no, Michelle, that's Jesus. Mm. And I was like, you're right. You're right. That's Jesus, you know. And then we go onto the shore and someone had spelled the word love in rocks. And it just said love, like right there on the shore. And I knew, I said, this is a baptism of his love. And then my son comes over and he found a little glass bottle and he had filled it with some of the sand right at that moment. And I'm like, this is also a prophetic thing. So I filled it with more sand and I still have it as a reminder of the baptism in the father's love, in the Mm -hmm. father's love. God doesn't leave us in our times of suffering. He actually walks us through, heals all the things going on in that season. Then he baptized me in his love. So God has just been doing all this work in us, restoring us, me and Jake, finally having time together as a couple, us as a family, but still being real dry in the sense of community. The Lord told me, I'm going to give you double for your trouble. That was a word I kept hearing. It's a new season. And basically all this stuff's going to come now. 
everything that was held up before is going to come now and it's a new season. Mm. Can I tell you what I hear when it came yeah. to that wave moment? Yeah. That moment is, is really hilarious. Right? Yeah, it was so trying hilarious. To, trying to baptize <laughs> you like an inch of water. Like laying down. And then the wave comes crashing in. What I saw in that moment was your old season of dryness, where you were at in your own heart, not letting God in because of the hurts and feeling like you couldn't trust him. And it just felt like you were laying in an inch of water, trying in your own power in some ways to, to still feel God's presence without letting him in. There was kind of this distrust, but still desiring it, but also not trusting him to be that safe place for you. And then all of a sudden, the wave comes crashing in. It's like the presence of God sweeps back into your life again. That was the, like kind of a symbol of what was happening and what would happen. You know, I grew up near the Pensacola Revival. I was a teenager and I lived right near that. And I came over here to California and I live about an hour and a half from Bethel. And there's just an outpouring going on there. And I honestly feel that call on my life to be part of that wave that's coming. It's, a, it's the next missional wave on the heels of the Jesus movement, right? Like we're going to have another one of those and it's going to have young people involved in it. Kim, what, what did we hear? When it, is it every um, 40 to 60 years that there is a movement of God's spirit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last time I remember, cause I went down to the call when they did that. I mean, because I was like on the heels, they were like celebrating an anniversary, but it was celebrating one of the um, previous revivals that had started like on that same day. Azusa Street? or Yeah, 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 it was Mm -hmm. Azusa. I've been hearing it all over the place because the healing rooms in Santa Maria is tied in with uh, Wesley and Stacey Campbell. Sometimes Heidi Baker shows up, some other people. And there's been this word lately. There's been so many prophetic words talking about a new move of God and a wave moving in San Luis Obispo County. And uh, obviously we, <laughs> we know what's happening in Reading Bethel and that movement is just picking up speed and ground and the seeing fruit from that is just, I mean, it's super encouraging. Yeah. Before we started recording, I mentioned oh, yeah. this prayer meeting where Kim and I and a few other people have been praying for a few years on Sunday nights and seeking God for, a movement here in our city where he shows himself and people are moved um, to receive his love. And we saw like some major fruit in that the churches are uniting to have a prayer meeting once a month and we're moving it around to different churches. And the first one, we had 30 plus people show up to that. And in the beginning the guy who pastors that church, Jason Hickey, who we've also had on Life Roots God Heals on an episode last season, he mentioned that there's like four or five decades that go in between these movements. And we're basically at year one or two years away from the outer limit of the last movement. Like we're about to cross the threshold of the last range of that movement. So somewhere in the next couple of years, he's like, it's got, it's got to start, but it's got to be prayer. Prayer precedes movement. And when it comes to your personal story, you mentioned the sabbatical. And so I'm wondering, you know, this idea of yeah. prayer, prayer precedes movement. That's not just us as a communal people, but us as individual people prayer precedes movement. Yeah. I wonder if you wouldn't mind expounding a little bit, where does sabbatical sit in the middle of the dryness and movement of the wave coming in and flowing back in? Wow. Where does that season of sabbatical sit in that? What was the effect of it? And maybe explain also a little bit of what sabbatical is or was for you. Sabbatical for a missionary is total time off or a pastor, 
usually missionaries will do a year if they're if they're living in another country they'll have a year where they go back to wherever they're from so they can raise money and support contact people they can take care of medical needs that they have ywam is kind of like you're on your own you don't have like an established church that's requiring those rhythms for you you know that are in place so we kind of had to learn on our own healthy structure if you're doing it long term and we didn't have a long term plan we just thought we just keep doing it like we were and we basically burned out so we've learned in this season of our lives that you have to have healthy rhythms everybody knows you get vacation days you get sick days you know those things are built in those are built into like a job right but i personally didn't think that way my husband didn't think that way we were like workaholics we didn't think of vacation days we didn't think of sick days we just were always on because of discipleship. We just always made ourselves available, but we needed to learn healthy boundaries. That was a big part of stepping out of ministry, stepping out of YWAM. I didn't have mental boundaries because we lived at the YWAM base. Our brains were always on what was going on around the base as leaders, you know? So I think you have to physically have a routine that gets you away from whatever your routine is. Like me as a mom, I'm surrounded by children and people. I consider my house like my part-time job because I see the laundry, I see the dishes. So for me, I have to step out of my home and go for a walk. The beauty of nature speaks to me. I have a beautiful view of the foothills back behind where I live and just walking back there. I mean, I hear, I start to pray and hear God so clearly when I do that. But I've been encouraging my husband because I asked him, what are your ways of hearing? Because a nature walk isn't like what touches him. So he's exploring. For him, he loves being with people. He's an extrovert. He comes to life that way. So I think those kind of conversations, finding that out about yourself, like what does rest look like for me? And then sabbatical being a Sabbath, a Sabbath that we take a day of rest that we take every, every week. And then literally every day also implementing time. I know some people like to take a warm bath, a warm shower. And they even say this about children. If children are being very um, crabby and grouchy, take them outside or put them in the bath and it works. My sister had four children and she says it works every time. And it works on her and her husband. They'll just get outside or take a bath. Isn't that interesting? The water (laughs) element, you were in an inch of water and then the wave hits and you're talking about rest and rhythms of rest and how water is an element in that. There's totally, yeah. Oh, I resonate with that because that was my go-to when I was in YWAM. That's actually where I found out that being out in nature was my connecting point. I mean, his house is two stories and there's a lower porch and I borrow his porch when I need my my multiple hours of quiet to settle down and listen. But yeah, you're right. Finding what works for you, because for some of us that works, but then there's other people who that would drive them absolutely bonkers and be more stressful than restful. I'm like your husband. I'm an extrovert. And God put it on my heart to do a six-day silent retreat every year. And the first one I ever went on everyone was putting bets down that I wouldn't make it a two days because I'm, I'm so relationally engaged and I'm getting my energy right from external circumstances, people, that kind of thing that people didn't think I would be able to handle it. And what I found as an extrovert was it was quite the opposite experience for me. It was the place that I went into silence and solitude which restored me to go back out and engage in ministry and invest in people another year. And I've come to a place where I just tell people, if you don't have these rhythms of understanding whatever it is for you to have silence and solitude with God away from everything else, if you don't find that silence and solitude, you will isolate from people and God. Mm. We will actually withdraw. It's either solitude or isolation. One is going away from everyone else to be with God and be restored 
you know, finding rest for your soul. As Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls, for I am humble and lowly in spirit. And so what we need is time, right? We need time with him. He who is the most generous giver of all. We need time to be with him and receive back so we can go back into the world and give again. Give out of what he's given us. Because you can only give what you have. If we don't go to God who is infinite and can constantly give us what we need, if we don't go to him, we eventually dry up. Mm. So we have to withdraw intentionally to be with God so that we don't reactively withdraw from God and people. What I'm hearing in your story, it was a, it's a story of learning that rhythm yeah. of rest. And sleep. For me, sleep. God doesn't want you to go without sleep long term. I mean, a big part, hard, a hard thing of that season was my performance mentality, like perfectionism, where you're like, I, I don't feel good. I am not well. So therefore I don't have value, you know? And I've had to learn, like, I can't do anything if I don't have enough sleep. So seasons, seasons of like, Michelle, you're going to, going to do anything this week in your spare time other than take naps. And so those are the two words I, I, me and my sisters talk about hope and naps, hope and naps. Like that's what gets you through life. It's true. I'm so hard on myself. Like there'll be times where I pick up the Bible and I'll sit there and try to make myself read it. And I can't even, my brain's not even working. It's not even God putting that on me. It's just myself. I've had to really ask myself, how do you picture God, Michelle? Like, how do you see him? Do you see him as this stern taskmaster, right? And I did. I did see him that way. God doesn't care about like a lot of the stuff I think is important. He just wants me to live from a place of health. I don't know. I think we all have a ways to go with learning more about God and the renewing of our minds and all that. Jake and Jeshu did a skit for our school where they have the whole banquet table set out. Jake's the waiter and Jeshu was the one coming to sit at the table. And it's got, he's got this whole beautiful banquet out. And then there's like a bag of trash off to the side. And Jake's like, oh, you can eat whatever you want. Like all of this is for you. And like Jeshu's, the character Jeshu's playing, like keeps going back over to the trash bag and trying to pick up the trash and eat the trash instead of eating from the feast you know it's just that reminder it's like how often yeah. are we eating from the trash the can mm-hmm. when we're supposed to be eating from god's banqueting table yeah remembering that he's the good father and you know the fun thing about banquets is that they're extravagant mm. and there's always more than enough i mean that that's been my word in the season is he's like i'm going to reveal myself as your dad because you don't know what that looks like mm. so let me do it because that's my job. My job is to reveal myself. Your job is simply to be open to whatever I have to show to you. And that's what rest does, right? It gives us a space where we can just be with God without any performance, right? And so we learn in that that when we are doing nothing productive, we're fully pleasing to God. That it separates Yes. Our being from our doing. We get this greater intimacy of who, you know, like a more intimate picture of who he is. It reminds me of of a story. And I thought of this earlier when you were praying and, and talking, Michelle. There's an old book called Orthodoxy. Sounds like a heavy, heavy book. It's by G.K. Chesterton who kind of was like the C.S. Lewis, the real heavy theologian of his time. He was making a case to to debate this idea of God being a deistic God who like created the world and then separated himself out from the world and let the world do its thing like 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 a clock, right? All the mechanisms are in place, everything's running, and now I'll just watch from a distance, right? And G.K. Chesterton says, I don't see God that way at all in Scripture. I see God in the very beginning calling out and making the sunrise. 
that first day making it the sun come up and being so delighted like a little child that every morning he says, do it again, do it again. And the idea of God is this child, not childish, but childlike, innocent wonder. You said it earlier. At one point you said, I think when we were praying, you said, we're growing older and God is growing younger. And that's where I thought of it. That's where I got that from, is from a quote I read of Chesterton. Yeah. Chesterton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's where this comes in for us is when we go to these places the, and listen to his, his invitation. And that's the difference be, between how we see God and who he really is. We often think of God as a God of obligation, of the shoulds. We should do this. I should pray, even though I'm so exhausted, I can't even think through what I'm reading. Yeah. And God's like, I am not a God of shoulds. So stop shooting all over yourself, right? I'm not a God of obligation. I'm a God of invitation. And Jesus said these words that are just so beautiful. My father is always at work and so am I. And the crazy thing is what God is working for is our rest. Like, think of this. Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day. What was the very next day that they experienced? The Sabbath, right? The seventh day the day of rest. God made them on the sixth day and then they rested before they ever did anything, the work that God called them into. They literally were brought into existence and then rested and then worked out of that rest. And even in the beginning of Genesis, it says the day starts with the evening and the morning, the first day. So Jews see the evening as the beginning of the day. Well, in a society where there's no artificial uh -huh. lights, what do they do in the evening when the sun goes down? They sleep because there's nothing else to do but just, you know, rest. So the day for the Jews starts with sleep, with mm. evening, with mm. rest. Our week starts with rest. Our day starts with rest. We are to work out of rest. And God is inviting us, come to me. He's not a God of obligation. He's a God of rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden. I love the qualifiers. Who, do, who gets to come to Jesus? Only those who are weary and heavy burden. Who isn't at any given moment, right? That's the low bar of the invitation. If you're weary or heavy burden, come to me. And here's what I'll do. I'll give you rest. And here's why you can trust that, that I will give you rest. Because I am lowly and humble. And I am safe. And the more we rest, the more we discover who God is, that he is the safest place on earth. And we can stop hiding from him in our distrust like what was happening with you and all of us go through that and begin to let him in and find he is our rest. And we just have been living from a place of not knowing him very intimately. And so driving ourselves into the ground and yeah. obligation and shoulds. When we take the invitation to rest, we get to know him as safe. And then we work out of that. I love Philippians too, where it says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. People go, wait, we got to work for salvation. And I'm like, that's not what that says. It says work out, like from. It's an outward from the salvation, not towards it. We're working from what we've already been given, which is rest. Yeah. And having fun is restful. I had a crazy day yesterday. It was moments were overwhelming. I almost got hit by somebody, which really like was traumatizing to my emotions because I felt such a lack of value from that person, not even slowing down. Like they saw my car and they continued to barrel towards me. And I had to like speed my little zippy new car out of the way. And I had to process it with Jake last night. Like they could have killed me. And I just started to weep because of the lack of value. But then I had to go, you know what? I didn't die. God kept me from dying. So thank you now, God. Thank you. I see that you protect me. 
you protect me. I have to move in faith towards the fact that I'm being safe and cared for. And so with that, I said, let's just go see a movie, Jake, and go have dinner because it had been a while since we've been on a date. So we just had fun. And, you know, I want to, I want to put a plug in. We went and saw Father Stew and Mm. excellent movie. And it's all about how to get through life when you've suffered a ton. I want to see that movie because that actually is the disease that I struggle with. Really? Yes. Inclusion body myositis, right? Right. He has that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of this whole thing is struggling with this disease. What it's taught me is to slow down. Like I can't do things that I used to do. I'm a super hyper person and I have a lot of energy and this disease has slowed me way down where I can barely get upstairs. The lower the chairs and things, I have a hard time getting up. And so everything is going at a much slower pace. And in that slowing down, I see the invitation to notice God, be more present with God and hear his voice. And one of the things that I've learned in this that relates to everything you're sharing is how much I've had to separate my view of God um, through the filter of my earthly father. My view of the heavenly father was some ways helped by my earthly father, but in, in a lot of other ways hindered my earthly father, whether he, yeah. he meant to or not, hindered the view of my heavenly father. And one of those filters that God in the slowing down process of having this disease has showed me that I have struggled with for years and years was the idea of rest. My father was a workaholic and I was his son who loved to play. I have an otter personality and all my upbringing, my child years, my father would come home from work half an hour after I got home. And after being at school all day, all I want to do is pull out my Star Wars action figures and and create stories in my mind of adventure and, and heroism. And my dad would come home, change his clothes And walk into my room and go, come on, let's go. Put all your toys away, all your silly stuff. This is fifth grade. Put all your silly stuff away as a 10 and 11-year-old and come and and let's go split wood. And I didn't understand for years why I I could have a relationship with God, a healthy like rhythm of praying and reading scripture in the morning five days a week. But on my days off, I struggled to come into God's presence and pray and read for years. And I finally got there discipline-wise. But what he showed me was, you had no idea that what you were doing was hiding from me because you instinctively saw me as the eternal killjoy that didn't understand that I created you for joy and play. And you saw me through the eyes of your father who looked down at all of that stuff you were hiding from me on your days off because you thought I disapproved. And what I've learned that real Sabbath and real enjoyment comes from inviting God, who one of the fruit of the spirit, which is the evidence of who God is, is joy. And so what I was doing for years was robbing myself of God's presence, showing me in those moments how much joy he has for me when I do nothing but play. Because my value isn't based on what I do. My value is based on who I am to him. And he says, I'm his beloved son. You're his beloved children. This disease actually has caused me to slow down and understand those hindrances from my childhood that kept me from seeing who God really is and has allowed me to enjoy him enjoying me and then learn to invite him in all of my rest, like my moments of rest and my moments of doing the nerdy things I like to do for fun and go, okay, God, I invite you yes. in to show me how you're enjoying me as I enjoy this. Totally. That's so good. A yeah. disease is doing that. God is using that disease to do that. 
you kind of summed up what Father Stu does say at the end of the movie. He does talk about his, what do you call that? A, is it a disease? Yeah, it's a, a neurological muscular disease called inclusion body myositis, IBM for short. Yeah. Once he gives his life to the Lord to become a priest, he then learns about this neurological thing that's going on with him. And he wrestles because he struggled with the why, always asking why. You know, we wrestle, we wrestle with the Lord regarding the things we go through. God welcomes that, you know, mm-hmm. you don't stay the same. Once you've wrestled with the Lord, you get a new name. I mean, you go through this whole thing. It's almost like you're a, no, a new person with a new name. I get really bogged down with thinking too seriously. I feel like I've been missing out my whole life. Mm not seeing that play was something that God meant to refresh us. And I crave inspiration the way that I'm wired because I'm a musical person. I'm an art, an artsy person. That's the other side of my brain. I need that side of my brain to just be able to like be free. And I, I don't know about you guys, if you've done this, but I've rejected the very things that God's given me to bring me life and said, I don't have time for that. And God's like, if you don't make time for that, then you aren't fully alive. He actually recently told me like, you need to start painting again. It's like, I don't have time to paint. I gotta work. And God's like, you will not sustain yourself through work. You will sustain yourself through the rhythms I'm trying to show you or, you know. He created us to work from us. That's how, that's the only way to live. Yeah. This has been so awesome. I'm so glad that you said yes. It's been so good to catch up and to hear what God's been doing in your life. And I know one of the things that we like to do when we wrap this up is to have the person we're talking to pray for the people who will be listening to the podcast. So if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Well, Father, we just come to you. Thank you that it's through the power of your Holy Spirit and it's through Jesus that we're able to come. You've made that way. Your invitation is always there. And we receive your invitation, God, to rest, to joy, to play and look at life the way that you do. And we just admit our tendency to overdo it as adults and think that we're superhuman and we're just not. So I just pray for your grace to wash over everybody listening to receive your rest. Thank you Mm -hmm. that it's abundant. And our value is not measured on how much we do, but on just on the fact that we're loved. I just ask for a fresh touch from you of your love. Just yes, a fresh yes. baptism in your love today. I need that, Lord. So thank you for that refreshing that comes from that. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for this time, God. We give you praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Michelle, I just, um, when you were praying, I thought of, the Israelites coming out of slavery in Egypt. For them, they worked seven days a week. They were not humans to the the people of Egypt. They were tools. They were not human beings. They were human doings. And when God brings them out, that's when he institutes in their law, their national law, a day of rest every week and every seven years a day where they they will let the land lay untilled for one year every seven years, the Mm. year of sabbatical. When Daniel is in captivity in Egypt, or in I mean in Babylon, and he's asking God, how long is this are the your people going to be out of out of the land of Israel, the promised land you've given us? God gives him the answer, says 70 years. Because the land has to lay untilled for one year, for every year since the inception of Israel as a nation, that they didn't obey to take the year of rest. So for 70 years, the land is going to lay untilled and fallow because Israel never did what God asked them to for 490 years. They Mm -hmm. disobeyed God. And so the land will be untilled and rest for all those seventh years that it didn't rest. 
this is how important rest is for us so that we can know that we're human beings, not human doings. We're invited to play with God, work with God. It's about being with God. And so we work out of rest to make sure we're moving with God in work and play. That I needed that. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on. Seriously, it's been a huge blessing to get to talk to you and hear more of your story. Yeah. Thank you guys for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. And I, I got to tell you, that prayer time beforehand, that was powerful. That was so powerful. That's like my favorite thing to do. So I'm so excited I got to do that because I just told Jake, like, I need people to pray with. We so pray every it. Sunday night at 6 p.m. on Zoom. You right do. Now. So, yeah. Yeah. We can send you a link to that if okay you can join when you have time and if you don't have time then and if there's anyone else out there listening (laughs) who also wants to join (laughs) yeah i mean this is not again not obligation invitation we invite anyone who's interested it's pacific time we're all in california but it's 6 p.m sunday night pacific time if anyone's listening to this and you want to pray with us, you can get in contact with me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com or we have a YouTube channel, Life Hurts God Heals. Make a comment on this particular episode that will be there and let us know and we'll get you the link. So it's for everyone who wants to pray. Yay. So Michelle, you are invited. Yay! <laughs> and Jake too, if he wants to jump in occasionally. Yeah. yeah. And of course, thanks to everyone listening. We really appreciate you. And please know you can reach out to us with any of your questions, your prayer requests, or if you need help because you're feeling stuck in some area of your life. I am a coach for transformation that helps people move forward on their journey. If you want more information, or you want prayer, or you have questions, you can email me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. And as always, remember that you are God's beloved, so be loved. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.